Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Gator Nation, welcome back to the Respect Our Decision podcast. This is episode 55. As always, I am your boy, Hirsch. With me is CJ, the man, McCann. What's up, guys? And the hype man, Wes. What's good? What's good? Hey, Gator Nation, this is a very special episode this week. We're not going to talk about the usual subject matter. We're going we're gonna to keep it in our back pocket. We're not going to talk about the team. The team is getting ready for Utah. We will talk about all of that next week. This week. We are going to break down and give our thoughts about the Swamp Kings documentary on Netflix. I'm sure most of you by now have seen it or at least watched a few episodes. If you haven't, spoiler warnings, spoiler warnings, guys, in case you don't know what happened. Um, you know, we win two national championships <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and Urban quits. But no, I'm just kidding. Um we're going to give our thoughts individually on some things and just share what we liked about it, maybe what we didn't like, what we'd have liked this scene, things like that. Um, as always, guys, if you're listening, download us wherever you get your podcast from. And if you're watching on YouTube, if you wouldn't mind, subscribe to the channel, drop a like on the video, and drop a comment down below and give your thoughts on what you thought about the documentary. And by doing so, you'll be entered into our giveaway for the month for the Swinging Gator golf hat from our good friends and alma mater that's all you got to do subscribe to the channel drop a like leave a comment down below guys we can't wait to hear y'all's opinions everybody has been super hyped about this for a long time um it was really good yesterday guys on social media to see all all gator fandom kind of band together on this subject you know it it doesn't you know happen a whole lot where we all come together and, and agree on a whole lot of things. But yesterday was really cool because everybody was just reliving those great moments. Oh, six, Oh, eight. Obviously we know, um, 
you know, there were some bad moments too, but it was hype just to watch it again. So, guys, we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about it. Um, CJ, I'm going to start with you, man. Let's let's start with episode one. What were your what were your takes about episode one? I, I enjoyed episode one. This is like a kind of a laying the foundation kind of episode of, of let's let, you know get up to speed. Let's talk about you know more or less where Florida was at as a program, where they were left after the Ron Zook years. Uh, to mention Steve Spurrier. And, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, a lot of the, the fan base wanted him back, um, not Urban. You know, it, it's like a – it was a microcosm of where we were at at the point. And, and it was a great look back at what we had. Uh, you got to see some things that, you know, kind of, you know, were only horror stories at the time about these workouts that Urban came in and implemented. But now we're getting to see them in live, living color. This is what this looked like. Um and it was a great, great episode to really start to really dig in of seeing Urban's plan of this is what we're going to do. Um, and it showed some of the step backs, some of the setbacks that were that were prevalent from that team. You know, you had a lot of kids that were not completely bought in yet, uh, especially when you come in there and, you know, like some of them say, you know, we're training like we're going to Iraq. Uh, and that was I mean, and it really, too, it really exposed us to uh, how great of a character Siler, Brandon Siler was, uh, how important he was to the uh, the team. He's kind of a guy that I think gets lost in the shuffle that we don't talk about enough of uh, how important he was to take that locker room and really cement that middle linebacker position at the University of Florida as being the leader on the team and to really have a guy that had been there come in and accept what Urban Meyer was doing um, early on and say, okay, I like this. This is what we're going to do, and I'm going to buy in, and I'm going to try to get everybody else to buy in with me, and it was really important. But as far as like an episode, it was a great, you know, jumping off point to to get to where we were going um, to really just show the early years, the struggles, you know, what what he was up against for sure. Um, you know, we, we get into some of the heavier stuff as it goes, but just to really encapsulate 2005 and what was going on and what, what had to be dealt with. It it did a great job of doing that for sure. Wes, what are your hot takes about episode one? Um, Mine is, (coughs) excuse me. uh, CJ kind of alluded to it. Siler at the end. Um, I came out uh, having a great, great appreciation for Siler. I mean, He's embodied what you would want on every team if you can find that guy to be a leader um, and not just lead by just saying it. I mean, he put in the work, uh, so you had no other choice but to fall in line or uh, <clears throat> deal with the consequences and uh, showing what Urban was going through, uh, the pressure of being at Florida, the pressure of Steve Spurrier being out there and coming back from the NFL uh, and being out there and then losing to Spurrier, and and now you have so much more pressure because now you got to play him again in the swamp, and then him thinking, him thinking, I think the fans want want Spurrier to beat me here in the swamp. That was funny, uh, and it's probably real. Uh, and he said that's how his warped mind thinks, but um, and I, he he could have been onto something because uh, Spurrier created a monster in the nineties. Uh, we love 
Spurrier, nobody. I mean, I don't think you find a Florida fan that's going to say anything bad about Spurrier. So I, I believe, even though he might have said that his mind was warped thinking about that, I mean, that that was actually a reality. And if I was him, like he said, we, we look at Urban now, we got to think of who Urban was then. He's this young, hot shot coach that's coming thinking he can do this. Like they were talking about this new spread offense in the SEC, getting thumped by Bama, all that stuff. Uh, it kind of messes with your confidence. Like, can I do this? This is different. I'm not from here. Uh, I think uh, Paul Feinbaum mentioned, like, you got Dan Mullen from up north and uh, 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 up north, and then you got Urban from Ohio. Like, they have no understanding of what we grew up loving uh, our entire life. And uh, to, to adapt and uh, to talk about that, uh, I, uh, to, 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 to see uh, his maturation, and not really maturation because uh, we'll talk about those things later, but uh, I just loved – uh, seeing what he was going through at a young age as a young coach, uh, dealing with all that pressure. But uh, Siler, I, I came out loving Siler and having a new appreciation for that for that guy. That 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 guy, Siler is different, man. And I loved everything uh, I heard him say and, and saw from him on, on on the show. It was really telling what Urban says. You know, I thought I knew what big time football was, yeah, and then I get here. And he said, I learned what big-time football was. Everybody was bigger. They were faster. Um, the, the way they hit just made a different sound. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> And I think that was really true to the folks outside of the Southeastern Conference. Uh, years ago, Will Muschamp talked about it. You know, When he was at Texas, he said, oh, well, I know all about it. You know, It's big-time football. I'm a coach at Texas. I understand. <laughs> and he said, until you get here, you don't really understand what you're up against because this is, this is life or death. Um, you know, when you're winning at Utah, you know, it's great. You're playing some big games. But when you come here, you know, you're expected national championship or nothing. It doesn't, you know, there's no in-between. And that's the entire Southeastern Conference with the best athletes in the country at the same time. So Urban to, you know, really be up front, be like, man, this is a different animal, uh, really kind of showed where he was at as a coach and, where he, what kind of the learning curve that the SEC presents? Yeah, my thoughts were like y'all just said that that really what they quietly did in that first episode was they really said a lot about Florida's fan base without saying, "Hey, Florida's fan base, you know, um, we have a big expectation." They 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 did say that, you know, Spurrier set the table really well for that, but. You know, you're talking about Urban coming in and, and being under this pressure immediately. And what we don't realize even to this day is is what Urban did set the table for our expectations going forward. I mean, yeah, he, he had a first season where he, he had a kind of a rough go. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but he had some rough losses. And But even then, like, he goes in and loses his first game, and we're still in ranked number five in the country. <laughs> I mean, you know, Billy Napier was never ranked number, you know, in his first season, he never even sniffed number five in the country. So that just gives you the level of talent that Urban inherited based on what we're talking about today when we talk about today's teams and what Billy inherited. Um, Mm -hmm. Not not to get too far off topic with that, but I did, I did kind of not like the fact that, that Ron Zook got no mention whatsoever for the, for the athletes that he left. Now, I understand this wasn't a documentary based on Ron Zook, but, I mean, if you mention Steve Spurrier, while Ron Zook, obviously not the best of of football coaches, head football coaches, we know that. We're not trying to sit here and say Ron Zook deserves to be 
in the ring of honor or anything like that. But Ron Zook left some premier athletes that helped win that, that 2006 national championship. I mean, you're talking about the Jarvis Moss, the Derek Harvey, you know, Chris Leak, obviously, who got little to no mentions. But that's a whole – we'll talk about that later down the road. Um, that, those are some of the things I didn't like. You mentioned Paul Feinbaum. I think Paul Feinbaum got way too much TV time in this whole set, but I'm not a big Pine, Paul Feinbaum stan anyway, so it's whatever. Um, but it was just very interesting to see how they set up the adversity that a new coach walking into the swamp and the pressure that they immediately feel. And, you know, it gets lost in the call. Oh, if you pay a coach millions of dollars, they should deal with that pressure. And that's, you know, that you're right to an extent, but the human psyche can only handle so much. You're walking into a restaurant and getting booed after you lose your third game of the season. Imagine just today, like, once again, not to segue too far off topic, but what a Billy Napier feels after, <laughs> you know, going six and seven. <laughs> And he goes into Spurriers or somewhere in Gainesville. But something that they did mention is, and and this actually was from Paul, the best way to cure that in between is good recruiting classes. And they mentioned that. What do you got to do to put fans' mind at ease? Go get some big fish on the line. Tim Tebow, Brandon Spikes, uh, you know, all those guys. Um, that is how you get through the winter after a season that was not up to standards to get to the next season and give the fan base hope. Um, And of course they introduced Tebow and there's no need really to go into that. We've heard Tebow's story a thousand times. We're all very familiar with what Tebow did at Nice. Um, I did think it was funny how he said he got off the plane and the bag handler was saying, Hey, go get Tebow. And, the next guy was like, Hey, go get Tebow. And people behind the fence were like, go get Tebow. I really thought that was kind of cool how they, you know, they said that's how urban got introduced to Tebow. I'm not sure how true that is. If you're a big time recruiting coach, I have to imagine you probably already knew who Tim Tebow was (laughs) by then. But um, like you said, CJ and Wes, both uh, a really good setup for what was to come. And then we jump into episode two. Um, and CJ, I'll once again start with you. What were your thoughts going into season two, uh, in, the, in episode two, not season two, obviously? Well, a little of both. <laughs> episode two, it, to me, is is like this really, um, you know, it just it, it's just the way the Florida timeline plays out. If you go through 05, which is a, a rebuild year, to immediately go into a national championship season is is like a, you know, complete turnaround smack in the face. And, um, you look at it that way. You talk about the Auburn loss. They talk about how you know how upsetting that was because it wasn't a playoff back then. You know, you lose a game and you got two or three teams in front of you that are undefeated. You're not playing for a national championship, so we needed you know you needed the help. Um, you had to get guys' minds right. It would seem that you know they would get on a hot streak and you have to refocus a lot of times. And you know you deal with that with this ki- with these kids. Um, they talk about, you know, spikes coming in for, for Siler when Siler was injured, um, trying to play through an injury, which was a really big time for, for Brandon Spikes to come in and kind of prove himself as being a young freshman. Um, a lot of good stuff there, too. 
just just the idea uh, talking about how we're going to use Tim Tebow, Dan Mullen going over the the, the offense that they were going to run, but they needed a quarterback who could run the ball, he could throw the football. Um, you know how how advanced it was for back then. Now it's nothing. Now looking at an offense like that is is just par for the course. It might be one of the more common offenses that are run now in in football in general in high school in college where where you take you know this supreme athlete you let him play quarterback you use your wide receivers to with the handoffs you let the running backs you know use use the handoffs they throw the football they they catch the football um and you know they kind they kind of touch on Chris Leak a little bit um and how you know and Chris 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 was much better than the documentary gave him credit for being. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think that was one thing people were really upset about. But uh, and, and in the sense of what they're saying, Chris Lee wasn't exactly the quarterback for the system that they wanted. Chris Lee was a great quarterback. He was a senior. He'd been there. The guy was battle-tested. He threw for 11,000 yards in his career at Florida, one of the best we've ever had. Um, and, and he just wasn't a fit. So when they added Tebow, it added something to where we've got this entirely different package we can run now uh, with with Tim Tebow, um, and that was a, that was a cool story to to build on. Is we have this guy, this Tim Tebow, and he's this this phenomenon. Uh, you've got you know Chris Leak struggles with it, you know, and I'm sure it was hard for Chris Leak to to have been there for you know four years now, and you've got this guy who's a freshman, and people don't really you know. And, and it, it builds. We see that build through not just the quarterback position. By the end of the documentary, we'll touch on that. It's built to, you know, it's like Tebow and the Gators to just Tebow. And that's all people cared about because his star was so bright. But at the time, you know, that's that's got to be hard to deal with as a quarterback. He's been there for four years. Um, and now you have this freshman Tim Tebow come in and people just want to see him. Um, I really would, you know, really wish that Chris Lee was involved in the documentary because I would have loved – to hear his perspective on that uh, a little deeper, you know, I mean, and I understand, you know, everybody can't be in it, right? Like we can't have everybody. Um, but that was like my only gripe with, with the, the, that episode. It's just like Chris Lee was much better than, than just the guy in front of Tim Tebow. Um, and I think the whole fan base kind of recognized that. And that there was a gripe online. That was kind of the major one was just the, just how, how much they feel like he was discredited. But going through the great moments of the season, um, you know, the Arkansas game, the SEC championship game against Arkansas, um, just to how the guys battled back and they pulled away at the end of that thing, you know, how they had to refocus their mind, you know, once they saw that UCLA had beaten USC to, to have to reshift their mind into, okay, well, we got Arkansas beat, then you still got to finish this game, you know, because you ain't won nothing yet. Um, so that, that was really cool. There was just a lot of really good stuff. Guys, you got different perspectives from the, the freshman coming in of Brandon Spikes really not being a workout junkie, Tim Tebow loving it. You know, you know, these, you got guys telling horror stories about this and Tim Tebow's like, oh, it was great. It was the most fun I ever had. So it was just weird to see those two kind of meet in the middle of a guy who just absolutely fed on this and a guy who was like, man, I'm just here to play football. I'm not, you know, I'm not training to go to war, um, but no, it was a great episode. Great to look back. Uh, the the block field goal against South Carolina had tears in my eyes and goosebumps up my arm because that was such a a great moment for that season. Without that, 
man, how different things could have turned out. Um, but no, it was, it was great. It was great to relive the 06 championship. You know, I don't think it gets as much love as the 08 championship. And that's really kind of sad because we had a lot of great guys on that 06 team. Wes? Yeah, man. Um, I love episode two, season two, uh, all in the same, like you just said. Um, well, people, and then I agree with CJ's, I'm going to touch Chris Lee first. We don't win a championship without Chris Lee. There's no way in hell we win the championship without Chris Lee. So that needs to be said. Uh, it should have been said on, in the documentary. That's one gripe that I had. To, like, even though Tebow was this, this guy, he wasn't going to lead us to the championship in 2006 as a true freshman. It wasn't going to happen. Uh, so I think they should have uh, – that should have been said that even though uh, they had a, a special packages for, for uh, Tim Tebow that, uh, hey – I wish Urban had said, yeah, we, we did that. Tebow was instrumental in us winning that championship as well as Percy Harvin as, as true freshmen, guys who played a true, true freshman. But uh, we don't win without Chris Lee being our starting quarterback. Um, as we move forward, uh, I love, uh, to your point about Tebow working out, I love that he attached himself with Brandon Siler, uh, knowing that type of guy, and, and he wanted to earn his way by showing, hey, I'm going to put in the work. I, I'm not just going to come here. I'm a five-star, yada, yada. And you got to love that. Work at this, all the stuff that we ever heard about Tim Tebow, the chant I was sending you guys before we started. That uh, chant they did do before the game is about, y'all ain't ready. I, I need to bring that back. That got me hype. Uh, I, I forgot how many close games we had during that year. I mean, it, it was going back and watching some of the games, uh, LSU and uh, you mentioned the South Carolina game. People don't realize Sucker played like a long time in the NFL. Like Sucker was an NFL kicker. If Moss doesn't block that, that's going he's in. still in the NFL. Yeah, Suckup is, is a <laughs> hell of a kicker. Like, Ryan Suckup is good. So that was going between the, uh, the uprights. We were going to lose that game. So uh, 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 that wasn't mentioned. I wish they had have, have mentioned my guy, uh, Reggie Nelson. Uh, he was so inter- instrumental. He played forever in the NFL as well. Uh, kind of led that new uh, safety group that we had as, as all the way up until recently, the last couple of years. Uh, but uh, Reggie Nelson was one of the beginning guys of that. Uh, uh, I'm missing something that I wanted to hit on. I forgot about, but uh, uh, just the, the, the close games, the environments uh, that we had to play in, that was back when we played three SEC West teams. So uh, losing that game to Auburn after winning and being so high, I guess I'm like how we beat Tennessee, uh, Brandon James, uh, true freshman. I forgot he was a true freshman. And they, I don't know why I was thinking Brandon James came in 2007, but he was with Tebow, Percy Harvard, Brandon Spike. He was part of that class. So uh, just uh, phenomenal uh, uh, watching that. And then, like you said, CJ, I had goosebumps uh, just reliving a lot of those things. And Dallas Baker, my favorite player of that 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 2016, uh, along with Reggie Nelson, just the big catches that he had. I mean, like, every time we needed to play, you heard Mullen in the locker room, hey, Dallas, we need you. Hey, uh, Urban, Dallas, we need you to make a play. And he made them along with my guy uh, Cornelius. Uh, we had Ingram. He was the lead, the first tight end that we had. And those are guys I wish that we mentioned that were mentioned more in, 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 in that season, too, as guys that were instrumental along with Moss and Harvey as far as winning that championship. So uh, love that. Love, uh, loved it, man. I, I don't – and, oh, this is what I wanted to mention. The USC lost to UCLA. I didn't realize. I would just think I, all the only thing I could remember was everybody wanted Michigan to be in the game. I forgot that we actually needed uh, UCLA to beat USC, which uh, 
we saw what happened when they came out of halftime, and then you know, person makes the play, and Urban, the Urban going for it, looking at his folder was, and they showed him looking at his folder like effing. Go that that was like let the mother effort go. Yes, man, that was I love that too, and the and the fact that it it makes you think it was real. I don't know if it was edited. I don't know if it was the same game, but him looking at the folder making that that play call was phenomenal after Arkansas had took momentum with Derek McFadden and the boys. So love that. Love more Silas. Couldn't get enough of Silas. So uh love that. Um yeah, one of the you hit on one of the things I wanted to say first and foremost, Dallas Baker might be one of the most underappreciated gators in history. That dude was clutch. We have a long history of some really good receivers. Obviously everybody knows the big three. Ike, you know, Ike, Quezzy, and Anthony, but Dallas Baker, man, was just always there to make, Clutch catches it when when we needed them. Um, can't say enough about that. And every time I say the name Dallas Baker, I wish I could hear more Mick Cubert. That's one thing that I thought was missing that they could have added a special touch yeah. to some of these moments that they showed was maybe having it clipped to Mick calling the plays in certain. I only remember one. I there was only one. one. There was yeah. only one the whole time. And that kind of that kind of bothered me that they didn't have more of of audio from Mick in there because that just give it more of that Gator feel. But I guess they didn't want it to have a completely Homer, you know, out Gator feel. Um, another guy, Wes mentioned Reggie Nelson not getting a whole lot of pub in this, and that bothered me. And like CJ said, you can't have everybody, and I'm not expecting them to interview everybody, but maybe at least say their names. And another one to me that didn't even, I never even saw him on, on any of the video was Earl Everett. I thought for sure when they showed the national championship game in 06, you would have seen, you know, they're playing war in the background and I'm getting hyped up and I'm like, any moment now you're going to see Earl Everett chase down Troy Smith with his helmet off and they don't even show it. And I'm like, well, that's kind of sucks. But once again, you can't squeeze everything in there. I understand. You know, you get no mentions of Harvey and, and those guys and, and Joe Cohen and McDonald. I mean, you know, as Gator fans, we can sit here and name off every almost everybody on the roster. That's It's not that hard. But, um, you know, there was just so many people that were instrumental in that. But maybe since they weren't Urban Meyer guys, you know, they don't. They're, they don't want to mention them in this because it's so centered around Urban. That's that's the only theory that I can really come up with that. Something else, and, and y'all both touched on that, that I really wanted to talk about was that I started thinking about because of this was moments like UCLA beating USC for us to bounce into the national championship is what makes college football so much more special to me because of the things that it takes, the luck that's involved, all those kind of things. You're talking about for us to even make the national championship, you got a guy's ring finger blocking a kick has to happen. You got a you got a, a, a win by UCLA over USC when USC was a dang good football team. The jump pass to take Casey in the back I mean, of the end you know, zone. We're just talking about <laughs> You know, and let's not forget that was the second kick Moss blocked in that game. Yeah. So I mean, college football 
has so many of these special moments that play out in just one season. We're at the NFL. You, if you think back over, you don't think about, oh, that those incredible moments that made it for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl last year. You just don't think of it like that. I mean, you know, there's a few moments in time, like the immaculate reception and stuff like that, the the tuck, the Brady Tuck game and stuff like that that you think, oh, that was a a changing play in history. But in college football, in any given year, you could have a number of those plays happen. They kept mentioning it in uh, – Paul mentioned it, Urban mentioned it, Sila mentioned it, uh, all the players mentioned it. You lose one time, you can't lose again. And that's to allude yeah. to your point. It's life or death. We can, we got, you have to, you, you lose what that's it. Now you, and you, like you, like we, like you just said, we still might not get in with one loss. Oh (laughs) yeah. And you, and you saw, and you brought up Michigan and that was the thing that they didn't even really mention was there were people, as soon as the SEC championship game was over, it was like, well, Florida's still not in. It's going to be Ohio state, Michigan again. Yeah, uh, and, and, because they Michigan, had, they were one two, and everybody had this classic game. We want to see a rematch. Yeah, all everybody that stuff wanted the rematch because nobody had thought too many we close belonged. Games. Nobody so we had a lot of close we belonged games. on the same field with Ohio State. Nobody, and they and they did hit on that, and I'm glad that they did. That everybody was like, "Oh, they're going to take care of business, and Florida's going to get beat." Not a what's that, Wes? One last thing. When, when Silas said he grabbed Urban after Ted Ginn ran that kickoff back and said, if we can't score seven points, then we, we don't need to be here. <laughs> I, I was going to – I hadn't said anything about Brandon Siler yet. Y'all both had hit on him. Let me tell you right now. I, <laughs> I love when, it. When we were 40 days from kickoff, I posted a picture on our social media that we were Brandon Siler days from, from kickoff. And that's because – I've always loved that dude. I thought he was an absolute prototypical beast of a middle linebacker. I didn't know he was like that, like you saw in this documentary. Like his stories, you're laughing. He's talking about his parents coming in in episode one and meeting Urban and his yeah. mom, and they've been drinking. And <laughs> and then he's talking about taking Tebow to the to the club and the girls saying, "Oh, you the guy that came with Tim Tebow." And he's and like, why I ain't like, take Tim Tebow out no more? I'm like, this man, <laughs> look, I've seen people say it on Twitter in the last couple of days. Brandon Siler deserves some kind of statue, whether it be in the weight room. Maybe it belongs in the weight room or some kind of an award for being in the weight room. We've got all Brandon's- these awards going around now that they have that, that the staff gives out. Give give the, give the Siler Award to yeah, the beast for the flavor. vocal leader, or give or put yeah. bring those big ass chains he used to wear back and give him the do something, man. Because Brandon Siler, to me, and I think everybody else at this point that didn't know before, is Gator royalty from here on till forever. There is nothing. His that sound can touch bites him. will be played from here on forever. <laughs> yeah. They'll outlive him. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon Siler, for being just an absolute great Gator and and the talking about taking sights into uh, uh, spikes into the swamp and telling him this is your baby now. That was a chill moment for me, man. Because you can just if you've ever been in the swamp, especially when there's nobody in it, like you just go on like a day where there's nothing. It's open stadium and stuff, and you can just imagine two guys walking out there, you know 
and somebody handing off the baton and saying, you know, take, hold it down. This is yours now. And it's just, oh my God, man, what a powerful moment that was. And I'm glad that, that Spikes took that to heart and took that ownership of that like he did, because obviously you saw he struggled with it for a minute. He was Brandon Spikes. You didn't, I didn't really realize he struggled with it. That he struggled with some of the stuff that he did of not wanting to do workouts and all that. Because all we ever really thought of of Brandon Spikes, at least myself, maybe somebody else knew, um, was that he was a dog. I mean, we always always thought he was a dog. Yeah. Yeah. But to hear that story. He said 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 I was immature, but then coming into this junior year, which we're about to get into now, he went, like Tebow said, we saw a different Spikes. He didn't do it because he loved it. Yeah. We'll talk about that. We, I you see him in the weight room look like he's crying, <laughs> and then Tebow look like he's Ben Stiller from Tropic Thunder in there working out with war paint on and all. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, what a time. All right, guys, episode three, jump right into it. Obviously, we know we we, we go into 07, um, a lot of talent, a lot of talent coming in. Obviously, uh, the bet one of the, I think, probably is the best recruiting class Florida's ever signed. Um, full of full of guys that you all know their names. We don't have to sit there and break it down. I mean, some some more uh, you know famous than others. <laughs> um, but CJ, kick us off, man. What were your thoughts on episode three? I, I love the idea. Two thousand and seven in a cause in a microcosm was the wildest year of college football that has ever existed. Two thousand and seven was just nuts. You had the number two team that would get beat every week. You didn't know who was going to be the national championship, who was actually good. West Virginia losing to a really bad pit team, and they don't go to play for a national championship. LSU with two losses, they get into the national championship. And it's only fitting that we have an up-and-down crazy year in 2007, just just a wild year of just trying to learn your team. And, I, and it was very telling at the end of the, the last episode, 2006, Urban Meyer wins the national championship. He says, you know, look at my dad, and I said, Wow, I won a national championship in Florida. Now for the rest of my career, I can do this and just have fun with it. And <laughs> that that he says that was the dumbest thing. He's like because it was the exact opposite. So you go into 2007, you're you're high, you're just higher than you've ever been. You've got you know all these moments. Tim Tebow going into Death Valley with these people, you know, calling him on his phone, threatening his family. Uh, you know, I, I remember that the defense just. You know, and and Spikes talks about it where you couldn't defense couldn't stop a nosebleed um, before because it was like Tebow had the offense and he was the vocal leader on that side of the football, but he needed a second one. He needed Spikes to step up and become that leader on defense, and Spikes hadn't done it yet. Um, and, and he talks about you know having to have a you know a real revelation is I've, I've got to do this, and it's not because I want to or I like to because the team needs me to do this. And that was really good of, of spikes. And it's, it's something that you don't see a lot of for people because, you know, you've got this mindset of I'm going to get mine. You know, I'm going to go to the league. I, I don't care about any of this. It's easy to just say, all right, I've got a national championship. Now I can just hang out. Um, and to have a change in the mindset and be like, I'm not going to do it that way. Um, they talk about the, the, the recruiting class that came in, it was just monstrous. You know, they talk about the class before with Tebow and Percy, but this one was just as good with, with Urban bringing in these guys. Um, 
the 2007 season wasn't wasn't a great season for Florida. Uh, you finish off the year with Tim Tebow winning the Heisman, having the magnificent game against South Carolina, um, just absolutely doing a lot of great things, and that kind of helped, you know, take some of the bitter taste out of the season where you lost a game to Georgia, that you know was a was a joke. They'll they'll talk. We'll talk about that in the next one, but uh, you know that this stuff like that. And to go into the next season, they talk about some of the difficulties you have um, in the 07 season with one of the, with a lot of the players. Um, you know, this was kind of what people were like waiting on. Like, oh, yeah, here we go. You know, we're going to talk about all the bad stuff that the University of Florida does. They tell the, the story about um, Avery Atkins um, tragically losing his life, getting kicked off the team, and Urban Meyer really sharing his his thought process of, you know, I don't want to do that again to another kid. Um, and, and they're going to vilify Urban Meyer later. You know, people are going to say, oh, that's this horse hogwash, whatever. Uh, but you look at every coach that's ever been in in that, that position, Bobby Bowden says the exact same thing. So, you know, especially, you know, Kirby Smart is going to say the exact same thing. Nick Saban has said the exact same thing, that they would rather have them on the football team with me than to be out there on the streets to take that away from them. Um, you know, so before you, you know, you start <laughs> throwing stones, you might want to look at your glass house uh, that you're living in. So that was, that was the main thing of the episode for me. We know what the 2007 season was. It was just a building block to get to 08. And then, you know, you get to the 08 season and we're, you know, guns a blazing, you know, you've, you've reloaded, you've got all these kids now, you've got all this talent, you know, you take the 07 season, where it takes a, a defense to mature. You had the offensive side of the football pretty pretty well, you know, put together, but you needed that defense to really mature and turn it up a level. And they did in the 08 season. And Brandon Spikes becoming a leader really, really showed uh what they were capable of the next year. So 2007 was a great year. I love uh all the sound bites from Carl Johnson. Yes. Carl Johnson was one of the guys, and, and Carl Johnson talks about it almost remorseful. Uh, if you listen to his interviews of just like, I wouldn't want my kid, kids to be taught like we were taught. He says, I look back at some of the stuff we were doing and the way we were going about it, the way we were fighting in the locker room, we would hit people. They didn't, you know, work out. Um, he said, you know, and he was like, I don't, <laughs> I couldn't teach my kids to do that. Or talks about the old Miss game where he's just like, we're ready to go. We're so amped up and we're ready to kill somebody. We've got veins bulging out of our necks because we're so amped to play and just stuff like that. But Carl Johnson has some great, great lines in there, uh, the next episode especially. But just some really good stuff in the 07 season talks about, you know, you know, kind of coming back down to earth after the 06 season, but but building for the 08 season. Um, so really good episode there, a lot of great stuff in there. You know, unfortunately, it talks about some of the, the bad stuff that we had happen. They mentioned the lawyer that Florida had, which, again, like I said, this happens everywhere. Georgia's got a guy. Alabama's got a guy. Florida State's got a guy. Miami's every got a single, guy. They've all got thing. They've all got a guy. I mean, like I said, if it's you want somebody that went there, they're an alumni. They they they're happy to help the team. That's right. <laughs> and, and and again, these cities like Tuscaloosa, like Athens, like Gainesville. Carl Johnson touched on this, and this was really great of him <laughs> to say. He's like, without them, they've shut the city down because without them, you don't have anything in these towns. So. Who are they gonna who are they gonna side with? That school that starts with F runs runs the town. Right. And and that was really good. That was a really good episode to me. Wes? Yeah, uh some of the points that CJ alluded to, Tebow winning the Heisman, 
uh, kind of propelled us. Uh, and, and Urban having to get back to his roots because he talked. We, we talk, uh, CJ mentioned that class with Cam and uh, Rainey and uh, Black and Major, and uh, I think Hayden was in that class as well. Um, yeah, Hayden was in that class as well, and uh, the Pouncy Twins and all these guys coming in that class. They didn't mention Dimps. So we'll get on the the, mis- the things that they didn't say. That's on my list of things yeah. to say. <laughs> and Rainey and all these guys coming in in that class, uh, it was just uh, stupid. Brantley and all those guys coming in, and how Urban, how those, how those guys were entitled, uh, and he didn't go back. And, and I think the 05 and 06 year, uh, the, the the workouts and the stuff that he had when the guys mentioned, uh, which we we forgot to talk about, how he had them working out at twelve to two to keep them from being out in, in in the streets, but they were working out at that time. So all you want to do is sleep and go to class, which I think was smart on Urban's uh, part, but he kind of late, got his foot off the gas a little bit and how uh, how that was. And then CJ's point about LSU uh, going to the championship and beating Ohio State, I believe, that year with two losses. We could have, like, <laughs> people talk about the 09 year. We could have actually won the championship in 07. Uh, when I went back and, and these things, you know, when you watch these things over, you, you it, it triggers moments. Uh, Auburn losing to Auburn again, that shouldn't have been a loss. LSU coming back on us in the second half, we don't lose them. Georgia just whipped our ass. But uh, we those, finished we finished thirteenth in the country after a bowl loss to Michigan. The, the, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So that team could have actually competed for a national championship. Uh, and, and it doesn't get talked about because we had four in the four losses, but uh, we had those three SEC losses. But two of them, uh, LSU went with two losses, so uh, in the BCS era, which was unheard of at the time, like CJ was saying, it seemed like a team was losing every week, it was crazy. Um, but uh, I think uh, uh, that was something that uh, was lost in the sauce, especially uh, how he realized, okay, now I got to get back to. What got us here? I got to get back to the foundation. I, I'm lose, I, I, I got my foot off the gas. I got these highly tied guys coming in, and they feel entitled. Oh, we're number one. Uh, they just won a championship. We that. And every team, and, and I don't think the team realized that everybody was going to give them their best. But they finished strong, except for the bowl loss. Uh, but they finished going down the stretch strong. Uh, they saw the game with Tim Tebow with the seven touchdowns against USC uh, and all that stuff. So uh, we had those losses in the middle of the season, but the team finished strong and propelled them into – what would be a phenomenal 08 year. Uh, and they started off strong that year. Tebow was like, uh, calling off the wins. Tennessee crushed them. Like, we were crushing people at the beginning of the year, and then we hit that middle road, and uh, and it was because of lack of discipline, which Urban is a mastermind, and people don't give – well, I don't want to say people don't. We, as Florida fans who really studied, knows that Urban is a master at uh, pushing buttons and – getting the best out of players. It might have not always been the right way if you're thinking about it now, especially in today's society. Uh, but uh, to, to get the best out of your players, that was something that he was good at. Uh, and uh, and I'll keep it short because I think episode four is something that we all want to jump on and give our likes and dislikes at the end of the recap. Yeah. Um, all that stuff y'all talked about, I, you know, I'm not going to, hit back on that. I really want to talk about like, you know, I had already heard and knew about the Avery Atkins situation and, and it's terrible, man. And my dad was a coach and he used to, 
to tell me stories about some of the kids he coached and and the adversity that they faced, and he would have to make decisions. Now, this is at middle school, high school level, so I'm not trying to compare it. These aren't kids that are on scholarship or, and considered by society at that point adults. You know, I mean, you're 18. They consider you an adult. You're on a scholarship, and a lot of people look at it as, well, these kids are getting free and everything else. I don't feel sorry for them for, for anything. They, you know, they're in charge of their own, making their own decisions. But there's still kids, a lot of them, and they're still in the very first real-world situations of their lives, and they make mistakes. And I'm not condoning what Avery Atkins did back then. He hit a woman, and, and there will there has to be consequences for those actions. Absolutely. And, and Urban chose that, and then he had to live with his choice. And that can be tough, man. I mean – and that can change you forever. And it it appears like in some ways it did. Now, obviously, a lot of people still don't like Urban. They don't like his character. And that's fine. I have no questions about that. I have my own questions about his character because I know a lot of things in this documentary that were skipped over. And I can understand why. Absolutely. But don't ever, I don't ever question a coach having to make these kinds of decisions. CJ touched on it. It happens everywhere. You're seeing... This kind of thing happened now at UGA with all these kids that are getting in trouble with the speeding and all that kind of stuff and the accident they had that this year that, that took two young people's lives. And then you have to sit back as a coach and go, well, how do I handle this? How do I, how do I stop it? And, and it's a real problem. And then you listen to Chris Rainey's story, and this is what really hit me about this episode, was Chris Rainey's story about I was born in prison. I didn't know my dad. My mom's drug addict. I don't know family. I don't know what it's like to celebrate a birthday. And then you hear, you know, that he'd come over and, and, and Shelly Meyer would cook him spaghetti. And he was just so happy to sit there and play video games with, with Urban's son, you know, and you're just like, sometimes it's just that simple, man, about some of these kids are just that kids. You don't know where all of them came from. You don't know what they've seen. You don't know what they've been through, but we sit here on a Saturday or, you know, maybe a Thursday night. Um, and there are entertainment. And we sit here and go, oh, that kid sucks. God, how is he on this team? Uh, sometimes, man, just think about moments like this and step back and go, man, I don't know what that kid's going through. I don't know what that what's going on in that kid's life. And I'm not saying you should be like this about everything. I'm just saying that some of these kids, man, you just don't know. I mean, they're they're dealing with stuff in their lives that the pressures, I mean, that's the one thing they talked about it over and over again, the SEC pressures week in and week out. You're out there in front of these fans. They could walk into a club tomorrow. They, uh, you know, and Tebow talked about it with Aaron Hernandez. I believe it was in episode four and I don't mean to skip forward, but it kind of pertains to this where they're just throwing racist comments at him to try to start fights with him. I mean, come on. I know we're fans and and fan stands for fanatic, but sometimes we got to be better as people too and and understand that these are just kids. Now, if they bring it on themselves, sometimes I understand. I mean, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You have to make good decisions. If you've given, if you've been given multiple opportunities at some point, it's, it is what it is, but I'm off my soapbox. That just really struck a chord with me. That was really what I took away from episode three was that part of it. 
Um, and everyone won't agree with me, and that's that's fine, and it's understandable, but that was just kind of my biggest takeaway. All right, guys, let's get into episode four. Um, the 08 run, obviously one of the greatest times to be a Gator there is. CJ, I'll start with you once again. Kick us off, man, and what you thought about episode eight, episode uh, four, season 08. <laughs> uh, great. Uh, get another great episode, a great conclusion. I would like to see one more episode. I think, um, and we'll we'll cover that in a second. I think it was. I think it was a there was a fifth episode that should have been there. Um, but, Maybe a future add on. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. But there was a lot of good stuff in the '08. Uh, the namely the the first thing that jumps out to me is the Georgia game, uh, where Brandon Spice is like, oh. You know, everybody's telling me, oh, you've been thinking all, all year about no no Sean Moreno. He's haunting your dreams. And he just stops. He says, I have. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> and he comes through there and he hits no Sean Moreno and they just absolutely maul Georgia from then on. Um, but there's some good stuff in there. They talk again about the old Miss game um, and, and the promise that Tebow makes. Uh, about how, you know, we're, we're going to play. You're never going to see a team play as hard as this team. And, uh, you know, it, it, stuff like that. And that's just one of those great moments in, in Gator lore of, of a team absolutely going down the stretch and just dominating. I mean, you know, you beat once after the Ole Miss game until they play Alabama in the SEC championship game, they steamroll through everybody. And, and that was a time to be a Florida fan. These guys absolutely just playing their hearts out. You get to the SEC championship against Alabama, and to me it's still one of the greatest games I've ever watched, probably my favorite game I've ever watched. It's a memory that I have, especially watching it with my dad. Um, just a you know phenomenal game where you look on the sidelines – and it's star-studded on both sides, and you've got Nick Saban there. This is his second year, you know, at being at Alabama and really building them back to what they once were, um, you know, and then we would see in 09 that they're they're there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, just some really good stuff, really good quotes, again, from Ahmad Black and how he effing hates Georgia. Um, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> one of those things that I love – about Ahmad is he's not afraid to, you know, kind of speak his mind, and he's a great character in there too, Major Wright. Uh, the Oklahoma game, you know, where they, again, you go into the Oklahoma game, much like the Ohio State game, and everyone's doubting you, you know, because Oklahoma is, their offense is, is electric. They're the best offense in football. Nobody's been able to stop them. And Florida's defense was the story that night. It just absolutely shut them down. You know, they only gave up 14 points to the best offense in college football and uh, left that door open for the for the, the offense to uh, Florida just to, to win that football game. You know, and it, and it was a great advancement from what we'd seen the previous year, how the defense was to where they were in 2008 to be able to do that, to be that missing component. Um, then you go into the um, Tebow's coming back, Brandon Spice is coming back, Everybody but Percy pretty much is coming back to the to the team. It will go to 09. And 09 was, you know, the players talk about how miserable 09 was because it was, you know, it was absolute. You cannot lose. You go into it is national championship or nothing. You're expected. There's so much pressure on you. Not only that, you've got a team that's kind of disconnected because 
they're the best team in college football, and Tim Tebow is getting all the spotlight. And you know, and you have to face that as a team, and then it comes to the head at the Mississippi State game uh, with Brandon Spikes, who's injured, is not able to play. Tim Tebow's having a bad night. Um, they get into an argument, and Urban's like, this is my fault. I've created all this. This is what they're expecting. Uh, you go to the Alabama game, and I saw somebody say, oh, Alabama was just better than you that night, da 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 when Tim Tebow said they were just hungrier and they wanted it more. And I think that that's fair to say. I think that, you know, I don't think Alabama was that much of a better team than us. I think that definitely Florida could have won that football game. I, I mean, it was just they wanted it more. They did. I think they wanted it more that you had a team to Alabama that nobody expected to win the game. Even though they were undefeated, they were number two in the nation. Most people expected Florida to win that football game, go to the national championship. Alabama's, you know, on the run of a dynasty, and they're just getting started. And they really, again, they didn't have anything to lose. They were like, we're going to beat Florida. And Florida's, you've got these guys who, who are basically playing so tight over there on that side of the football because they don't, you know, they can't lose. They, they they're, There's so much pressure there. You know, and pressure makes diamonds, but it almost it also busts pipes. And that night the pipe busted. It, it was just like it was so much. Um, they didn't mention anything about the the Sugar Bowl, but they did mention Urban resigning. Then he decided he wanted to come back. Um, you know, we start to really get into the 2010, and I, that's where I said that you know we could have used another episode because I think 2010 in itself is a wild year to really see what what happened. But just uh, again, it was kind of sad to watch because it's like we're still dealing with a lot of it today, um, and that was kind of the beginning of the end. Uh, to and, you know, to to look at it, it's like you know, like Tebow says, he goes back in the stadium and he looks on that board and it's missing a number. Um, and and you know, Urban Urban has his health issues. Team goes its ways, things happen, and it's just a, a you know disappointing end to a, a great run. It was kind of like the Beatles, where it just rose really fast, and then you really never got to see like a gradual decline. It just ended. Um, so. You know, it was a great episode. Again, a lot of great memories still in this episode. Um, you know, the 09 season by itself is a great season. Um, you know, we didn't have a college football playoff to lean on when we lost in the SEC championship game, unfortunately. So, uh, again, just a, a sad ending to a great time, but a great documentary. A lot of the guys look back on it uh, fondly um, where they've come as men, uh, you know, to look at these guys now, you know, all these years, 15 years down the road, um, where they're all at, their their perspective careers. Just just some really good stuff there, a really good understanding of how much pressure and how hard it was on this team. Uh, and I think that, that kind of gets lost sometimes because they are people, you know. Um, at the end of the day, you're still people. You're still There's still that human element. And they talk about that in the weight room earlier. You still got that human element that's going to tell you to quit. Um, and, and it just got to be too much. All right, Wes. 08 season, episode four. Give us your breakdown. I'll start with two key points. Uh, the end, I'll go to the end of the championship and I'll recap after that. But the end after we won the championship uh, against Oklahoma, this is the pressure that we as fans, and I'm going to include myself in, in it because I want to win every year. 
I want to be what Georgia has become, what Alabama has been, what Ohio State is. That's just us as Florida. And it was so much pressure that Urban didn't even get to enjoy it. Uh, he said he put this in his book, and I knew about it for years, but he said it in, in the documentary. He was texting recruits while the team is in the locker room celebrating. That's how much you get when, when, coach, when coaches – that was literally when coaches say, uh, okay, we're going to enjoy this one tonight, and we're going to move on tomorrow. We'll get prepared. He didn't even enjoy it tonight. He's on. He's texting recruits. You see, 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 see what we did. That's the pressure of coaching at a big time university, as we think we are. Uh, we we've doc, we we've all had our own uh, documents and statements of this that we're not that team of uh, that era that we were in those in the documentary that we just uh, uh, that is chronicle now. But to see that he had to do that, and then the the Tebow, uh, Brandon Spikes. Uh, fight and teams picking sides um and 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 what urban said he said we could win 28 to 3 why are you gonna beat him by 40 that's how much pressure that team was going through in 09 um as far as they were winning but it was never enough and and we have to sometimes check ourselves and be like okay yeah we 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 should win by and, and to me and that goes to, and I, I'm probably getting ahead of myself with the, the likes and dislikes. Uh, I, I didn't like that they didn't put the fact that Dan Mullen left that year as well. And that, to me, changed the trajectory of that team as far as offense. We as Florida fans know that, who watched that team back then, knew that our offense didn't look the same with Adazio coaching. And I don't think Urban or Mullen wanted to, other players, or Tebow wanted to say anything about uh, Adazio in a, in a bad manner, but he was the offensive coordinator that year, and the offense didn't look like it was. The defense was still stout and did what it was supposed to do, but the team was divided because of that that, that Mississippi State game, uh, the pressure of trying to win back-to-back championships. Um, it was a lot there, but the 08 season was phenomenal. They were blowing everybody out. Uh, CJ, I know you were kind of younger than me and Hurst. We we're not that old, but we remember that old game, and then I asked you, uh, Herschel is an older guy watching it. You know how like you watch your team play, and the turnovers in that game. Like I think Percy had a fumble. Tebow didn't get the. You know, like they were saying that that's T- Tebow never not gets this. I felt bad watching that game. Like you know, like when you have a dominant team, you're like something's not right. <laughs> so that game was just crazy. I was like. I think we're going to lose, man. Like, something was not right. I don't it was a scary lose. game, man. I was sitting there. <laughs> that was the first game I watched where my son was old enough to watch a football game with me. <laughs> and, you know, he was <laughs> he was um, seven at the time. So he's old enough to kind of understand a little bit now what's going on. And I can't sit there and throw a fit like I would if I was <laughs> by myself. But that game was frustrating, man. There was like times everything that, that could go wrong like, went wrong. Where you're like, but at the same point, you're like, God, this is this. You know, they talked about it. Oklahoma's offense was so good, and you're like, how long are you going to be able to hold these guys from scoring? Like they're they're good offense. You, you, so it's just oh, like, you mean Ole Miss? You talking about Ole Miss, Oklahoma? Oh, I was talking about Oklahoma. I thought you were talking about the national. No, championship. I, I was talking about Ole Miss. <laughs> no, My bad. Ole Miss. The turnovers. Oh no, that game was that game was was one of those games where it was like, oh, we're just meant to lose. Yeah, like yeah, that's what I mean. Like 
and it's Everything like, nah, there ain't no way. It was like fake yeah. one of those. When I saw Percy Fumble, who's like the 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 best player we we've we we Percy probably got best player ever, in my opinion. One of our best. I'll put him in the top five. Some people might get mad. Older cats or newer cats, top three, top five. However you want to put Kurt Percy. When he fumbled, and I I don't think I ever seen Percy fumble. When he fumbled in that old Miss game, I said. It's over. I mean, I I figured well. When Tebow didn't get a fourth and one, I thought it was. You know, that's just this is this is the extra point. And I was like, I mean, that that was one of those games when everything, when anything can go wrong, goes wrong. You just it wasn't your night. Um, But to chronicle through the rest of the season, like uh, CJ was saying, we we pumbled everybody on the way to the national championship. People don't realize Oklahoma has scored like fifty points. Five they were unbelievable. Six, five they were unbelievable. On the way, and I remember my friend. He's a Nebraska fan. He was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna pump with y'all." Yeah, you see what Sam Bradford and all because he was a big, I guess, a Big Twelve guy, and was talking all that noise. I was like, "They haven't faced the defense that we faced." And I remember doing the Heisman. This is something that wasn't mentioned in the documentary, but uh, one of the Oklahoma players said. Uh, Tebow ain't not like that. He's not better than half the quarterbacks in our, our conference because you know Texas Tech was good uh, that year. I think they had that's with Crabtree and uh, they had Colt Texas McCoy. Texas was too. Texas, yeah, they, they had Colt McCoy, McCoy. and because Colt they beat Oklahoma that year and Texas Tech beat Texas, but that was anyway. My point to saying that was Tebow said, "Well, if I played in the Big Twelve, my numbers look like theirs too." I love because that was back then. People said that back in 08, like my numbers would look like their numbers if I was playing the Big 12 too. So uh, that's something I wish that was in there when they, when they talked about playing that game, uh, that uh, the Oklahoma team uh, and struggles within and then how we turn up and won in, uh, in, um, in the second half. Uh, but uh, phenomenal play by Black. Uh, I'm glad he was on there because uh, Danny Connell tried to, uh, a couple years ago, tried to, but he let the. Uh, the nation in interceptions that year. He had seven picks. So uh, to shout out to Black, and uh, I just loved everything about uh, episode four, except for, like CJ kind of mentioned, we probably should have had 05. And this goes back to what you were saying, uh, Hirsch, about uh, the only thing I gripe about what Urban said, because I believe him, uh, when somebody loses their life uh, and you feel like you could have done something more, you wish you could help, I'm Truly, genuinely believe that he Tebow talked about how they prayed about it, how they were together, how they shed tears and all that. So I love that, but I wish he had kind of done that with Cam Newton. Maybe we had a longer run uh, with just the laptop going out of the window. And I, I wish that kind of was mentioned. And if he wished he would have done anything different as far as keeping uh, Cam Newton here. Yeah, I know. Like we said, there's some of these guys they probably couldn't talk on. There's you know. You deal with legalities in some aspects, I'm sure, especially yeah. when it when it when it talk when you're talking about crimes that were committed, things can't be mentioned. Yeah, I don't know what all the like I said, the legalities of some of it are. I'm sure there's just some certain things you can't mention, but um just some some points. Y'all touched on so much. Uh oh wait, you talk about teams we beat. I mean, Georgia had Matt Stafford. Stafford, AJ Green, no Sean Marino. They only lost one game going into that game. They were the preseason number one. I mean, Georgia was a stacked team, and we and that that was the showing of how Urban was absolutely um, 
diabolical when he wanted to be to save those three timeouts. They didn't talk about the saving of the three timeouts and using those at the end of the game. Um, I guess they didn't want to picture, they didn't want to have urban framed as being this bad dude. Like he, you know, like we know he was, I mean, urban, urban would be cold blooded on them guys. Um, that national championship game, man, what, what, what a game. Like I was rambling on about the West when I thought he was talking about that game. That offense was unbelievable, and that might be one of the, if not the best defensive performances in the history of the school. The only other one that's even remotely close to it to me is the 06 game against an Ohio State team that was just as great. But, of course, they lost Ted Ginn Jr. on the opening kickoff, and, that, you know, that could have made a difference. And I know Oklahoma fans will say all day, you know, DeMarco Murray didn't play, but don't tell me about DeMarco Murray playing because Percy's out there on, you know, a heavily sprained, possibly fractured ankle, you know, and still did his part, but was not, like we said, 100% after not playing in the SEC championship game. Um, the 09 season, man, was so just weird. And I like that they talked about how, it was Tebow's team, you know, and you heard Spikes talk about that. And it felt like there was a lot of animosity there. And you have to understand that that would rightfully be so. There were a lot of stars on that team. But you only ever heard about Tim Tebow. You didn't hear about Joe Hayden, how good Joe Hayden was. You didn't hear about, you know, you you knew Spikes because he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and all that. But you didn't talk about Jackrabbit. I mean, Janoris Jenkins was on the other side, and he was a phenomenal player, just as good as as Hayden was. I mean, it, it's just so many guys that didn't get their flowers because it was the Tim Tebow show. But you know, the guy that wins the Heisman, the quarterback's always that guy. It it, it just always that's the way it goes. I'm, I'm glad Spike said it that Tebow didn't like that stuff though. He wasn't like one of those guys that embellished him. Like, yeah, Spike said he didn't he didn't really want to do all that stuff, but he had, but he and he, and he you know how Tim is. If you know Tim, he's humble. He's a very humble dude, and he would have wanted it to be more about his teammates. But once again, it goes back to what I said last episode, man. These are still young, young men in life. Like, you don't, you can't put yourself in that young man's shoes and say, how would I handle it if I was the Heisman Trophy winner? Then they're like, you know, almost won it again. I've won, I've got two championship rings. I'm the king of the campus. I, I can do no wrong. <laughs> Everybody sees me as the purest human being on the planet and everything that went with being Tim Tebow, uh, you know, it was just crazy. And I, I don't envy what he went through, but if there was anybody that could carry that weight, it was Tim. Um, You know, and there were a lot of things that were glossed over in that 09. And like CJ said, they, they could have done another episode very easily. You, you didn't talk about Timmy's concussion um, you didn't talk about Dunlap getting the DUI before the Alabama game, which I still to this day feel like kind of sombered the mood of the team going into the game. Um, you know, it, there were a few things that were glossed over that I thought could have been covered that wouldn't have added that much length 
to well, it. But even like mother leaving all that stuff. Uh, well, you know what? You you notice this whole episode, I haven't even mentioned that man's I know, name. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I haven't mentioned that man's name. Because even hearing his voice during the show was like, oh God, I know who that is. And I don't because you heard his voice before you even saw his face. And I was like, uh. <laughs> um, you know, they didn't go, you know. Charlie Strong, they didn't, you never even heard about Coach. You saw him on camera once, but you never heard about it. And like, Charlie was such a huge part of those teams. So, not even hearing Coach Strong mention to me was kind of tough because we all, as Gator fans, 06, 06, yeah, you couldn't tell us anything was wrong about Coach Charlie Strong. That man walked on water. So, just, it was a good rap, but they I feel like they rushed it to a close, like CJ said. There could have been an easy fifth episode, even if it was a half hour, and really kind of wrapped it a little bit better. So I don't know what the reasoning was there. I don't know what the what for the all we was. know, there are clips of things that they talked about that they just didn't put in the show. Oh, they said they had 650 hours yeah, exactly. of tape. That's that what I'm saying. Found. So, it was wild, the stuff that they said they found under a under a desk somewhere. It was all old tapes that some graduate assistants had shot or something like that. Um, and that was what's added all, like, the mat drills and stuff you saw in episode yeah. one. Um, you didn't just, see that stuff back then. No. That's a commonplace now. To see kids lifting weights because everybody's got a you know a camera in their hand now, it's it's commonplace to see it. But back then you didn't see that. So to now see this footage is an insane, insane thing. And that was probably one of my favorite things about the whole documentary. All right, guys. Well, we're gonna wrap it up. CJ, I want you real quick. Just what's your what's your synopsis and your takeaway of of all four episodes? This is this is really good. It was a really good trip back nostalgia land. Some people are gonna call it a puff piece. Um, and that's fine. I think if you're a football fan and you really want to look back at a time of college football in a bottle, this is just a great documentary. Um, you know, if you're looking for the, the dirt, the real gritty stuff, then it's not for you. I'm sorry. There's a couple of things in there. Um, you're mad about Aaron Hernandez not getting mentioned. There's a whole Aaron Hernandez documentary on, on Netflix you can go watch. If you're mad about Cam Newton, go watch Roll Tide War Eagle. That documentary, 30 for 30, they got plenty of Cam Newton in that. If you want to hear about that stuff, there's other things you can go to. It was cool because they let us have one because we've been kicked in the face for 15 years now. Um, And for us to finally get one back to have a really cool documentary about us was really cool. Um, You know, Miami had gotten their flowers and, you know, Alabama had gotten theirs. And Georgia will get theirs, but it was cool for us to get ours. Um, and, and that was that was probably the best thing. Uh, it was a cool look back at a time in college football that can't be recreated, that cannot be done today. What Urban Meyer did at Florida cannot be done again. It's not going to happen. You're not going to come in and treat players differently like he was doing and have these reward-based things. You know, it's like, well, you don't like the way you're being treated. Get better because now there's a portal and kids aren't going to do that. Um, you know, so it's just a different animal. People have compared Billy Napier to Urban Meyer. Billy Napier's not building the program like Urban Meyer. Um, it just because he can't, it's not going to work that way. There are some similarities you could point to, but not enough to really, you know, combine the two as one. Uh, so, but no, it was a great time, great documentary, some great clips, great sound bites, uh, that we'll use forever. 
Um, and, and I really enjoyed it. But like I said, if, if you're looking for a, a hit piece on Florida, I'm sorry. This ain't it. Um, let us have ours. Um, you know, and I understand that this is just a horror film to FSU fans and Georgia fans because this was their nightmare scenario. And Georgia, you're getting yours back because we're living in it ourselves. So, <laughs> but, but it was great. It was, I had a lot of fun. I cried. I laughed. Um, you know, I, I got mad at certain things and it just, it just felt good to relive my childhood, uh, which was watching Florida be the, the most dominant, the most dominant team in football. All right, Wes, give us your wrap. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna treat my superstars like superstars and I'm gonna treat my, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that line. I, I love that. Uh, and one thing I failed to mention was, uh, uh, in the early season, uh, I, I think I rewinded and watched it like four times, and I kind of saw it online too. When uh, Spikes told No Sean Moreno, "I'm gonna be here all effing night. night," and I love, I got chills. I rewatched it. I hope Miles Graham watched it. I hope all our linebackers watched it. To me, we always talk about how old were recruits when we were us. We've mentioned and chronicled, uh, and I mentioned it earlier about. Fans, we're not that – that's not us anymore. The kids don't remember that. They probably were just being born when that happened. So my whole outlook on this, I'm glad that these kids are going to watch this. That's my takeaway. These kids are going to – they love football. If they love football, they're going to say, let me see what this uh, documentary about the Florida Gators was, was about. What were they going through? What's, what's the tradition there? That gives them a reminder of what and who we are. And, yeah, we wish Percy was mentioned a lot more. Uh, there were some things said about Percy being the best player on the field. He wasn't playing the Alabama game. And what Tebow did uh, with no Percy was phenomenal because you couldn't run the ball. And I think Carl Johnson mentioned it. Like, there was no – you can't run the ball on Bama. Same thing with Kirby and I at uh, Georgia. You can't run the ball on Georgia. But I, I'm just I'm happy that we are in the forefront of what, before the season starts, these kids are going to watch it. And and I want them to see our what we hold dear to us, and they like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Like you, you see Brandon Siler, you see Brandon Spikes, you see Tebow, you see Harvin, you see what they were doing. Yo, especially the kids that we always feel like we miss on. That said, Florida was my my favorite school growing up. It was like that's a death wish, <laughs> a kiss of death because they usually go somewhere else. This gives them that nostalgia. So I love that. Love the uh, documentary. I just wish some things could have been added into it uh, that I found uh, hold near and dear to my heart, like Spice kicking the ball in the stands against LSU. But that wasn't there. But all in all, I watched it again. Yeah. Um, CJ mentioned it. You might call it a puff piece, but I, I said this on my own personal Twitter page. If you thought Netflix was going to pay Tim Tebow to come on a documentary and, uh, it'd be a hit piece against Florida. You were, you were, you played yourself on that one. I mean, there, it, that wasn't ever going to be the intent of this. Um, and it's, it shouldn't be. I mean, you know, if you want to watch some of that stuff, that stuff's out there, you know where to go find that stuff. It, it is what it is. Um, once again, I, I gave my thoughts about Urban Meyer. Do I like everything about Urban Meyer? Absolutely not. Do I think it's time for some people to let that hate go and put Urban Meyer in the ring of honor at Florida? Absolutely. It's it's past time. Um, you heard it about it this week. Tahara Mitchell said it on social media in, in, in an interview that 
Urban Meyer told him to go to Florida when he was entering the transfer portal. I mean, he's still saying good things about us. He still thinks highly of Florida. Now, is he trying to work his way into the ring of honor and stuff like that? There's probably part of that. I mean, the man's trying to salvage some image. Absolutely. Can't blame him. I mean, if, if you had that career and you had made some decisions, you would probably be doing the same thing if you were in his shoes. It's just human nature. Um, you know, you always want to make to right past wrongs. Um, I do wish more Percy, but Percy made a decision that he, you know, not to be part of this documentary. And that's that's his own business. I love seeing the rap at the end with the guys around the campfire, you know, and hanging out together. Uh, Ahmad Black shared that f- a photo of them that they had taken that day on social media today with all of them standing together. And it was just really cool to see, especially now that you know that Brandon Spikes is now back, you know, working with the team. It's just very cool to see that. Uh, I had some other thoughts. They've kind of gone by the wayside as, as we've talked about all of this. It, it's cool, man. It's really cool to see this. What's really cool, one, one of the things I did think of, is to see how far the university has come. You saw s- shots from inside the locker room and inside the weight room. And you think about now, we have the, the facilities that we have and the brand new locker room and the indoor training facility that we had no even. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, if it was humid and hot, you were practicing. If it was pouring rain, you were practicing. I mean... They didn't have those options, and those boys, you know. So have the today's guys gotten a little softer? Probably, <laughs> probably. I mean, they got it made. You know, daggum well. These boys that were in this documentary walk in there and go, "Y'all sons of bitches are soft." <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, and they got the right to say that because you know, I mean, these boys were practicing and doing things with. And I'm not trying to say, you know, it's a major college university, but for a major college university was kind of bare minimum in some standards. I mean, people, our dorms even were, you know, some people compared them to prisons. (laughs) I mean, so it's really cool to see how far the university has come and upgraded. Um, You know, I'm, I know I'm surprised more people haven't said, Oh, look, they're talking about how the swamp was so awesome and now they want to revamp it and redo all this. And I'm just glad people have just kind of put that in the back pocket for now and, and just appreciated this for what it was. Um, it was really cool. And it's cool to have it there that I, you can now go watch it whenever you want to watch it. If you're, if you're, if you have, if we lose a game this season and you get down and you're like, God bless it, this sucks. Go watch, ep, uh, you know, episode two and remember the 06 season and, and get yourself hyped back up for Gator football. I want to say Billy Napier's, you know, trying to build things the same way through recruiting. You're seeing it happen. Hey man, it's, it's, it's just cool to remember that it can be done at the university of Florida. You just, it takes hard work by all people involved, coaches, players, we're seeing it. Hopefully, we start to see it on the field, guys. Next week, it, it's it's time to lace them up, baby. Football time. We're gonna it's lay time some to put game total, predictions and total leather. Yes, next week. So next week, we will be doing our season prediction. We'll be doing our first pickems of the season as we uh 
as we start to uh, see who knows ball once again. Um, Hurst got to defend his title. Obviously, CJ wasn't here for the full. He did one week with the his one last week game. I did wasn't great. So. Wasn't great. <laughs> so CJ's got a lot of redemption to do. Wes <laughs> is going to start picking with his head, not his heart. So he says. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, program announcement, real quick, before we get out of here, guys. We will not be doing any more part of the people as uh, through the season. We're going to go ahead and, and and put that on the back burner for now. As you know, if you followed us last year, we do a raw reaction episode every week after the game where we give our takes on what went right, what went wrong, what we would like to see, what could be better, all of that. And so that will take the place of part of the people going forward until after the season. So, um, you know, if you want to still ask some questions below, feel free to. If, if we got time on any weekly episode and we can – we can cram in some questions. Absolutely. We'll still do that, especially as it pertains to recruiting, because that's still our central focus. But right now, recruiting's kind of on the back burner. It's football season, baby. So y'all get hyped up. CJ, anything to add before we get out of here? Nope. Just remember the hat giveaway. Next week will be last the, uh, the last episode for the month. So after next week, we'll tally up everybody's names again. And then the next week after that, we'll you know reveal which one of you won that hat. Uh, but other than that, just make sure you like and you comment and subscribe. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, you know, the season's about to get here, so there's going to be a lot of conversation going on throughout the season about football in general because we can finally talk about football and not practice and not recruiting. Real honest practice. God, putting on pads and a helmet, playing football. So great, great time to be a Gator fan. Great time for a football fan. We're going to get this kicked off. It's week zero this week. So if you want to watch Hawaii and Vanderbilt, you're that much of a sicko for college football like I am. Heck yeah, uh, baby. Good luck to you. Fighting rainbows. <laughs> so, Let's do it. What, Navy and uh, Navy and Notre Dame play USC San Jose State. Yeah. I'm going to be I'm gonna be watching it all. I SEC, baby. Let's go rainbows. That's right. Let's go <laughs> Hawaii. <laughs> all right, Wes. Well, no, take uh, us home. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Love all the support. Uh, continue, like CJ said, like, subscribe, make comments. We love all that interaction with you guys. Um, Brandon Siler. Got to get a number retired, a statue, something, anything. Just love what award I saw. Award in the weight room. Yeah, something, award, something, uh, as you guys said. Uh, but uh, continue to support us. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Can't wait to next week so we can make these picks so I can uh, not purse off his mantle. Uh, but as always, go Gators. Go Gators. Go Gators, baby.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 